You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Okay, it's a bit strange to preach from up here on Wednesday. So yeah, so it has a Sunday feel to it. All right. Um, would you please... Um, Help me encourage the person next to you. And I'm sure for different people that means different things. But whatever, just take a minute and help me encourage the person sitting next to you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. Um, So on Sunday, we started. Yeah, it's one way to get to heaven quickly. On Sunday, we started a whole discussion. Uh, where's Falabi? Oh, nice, fancy. Okay. All right. Uh, we started a new discussion, which I... T- Please, thank you. Just not, I'm not, it's not my time yet. It will really be classic, yeah? You know, pastor goes up in glory. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> We watch him born for Jesus. God forbid. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So we started a whole discussion, um, which I kind of said in my mind is titled Cross the Line. And I said there's a whole, uh, for, differ, for all of us, we're at different places in our walk with God. And I sense in this season that God wants you to cross a couple of lines. Um, and the prophet will say in First Kings chapter 18, it says, if God is God, serve God. If Baal is Baal, let's serve Baal. It says, but how long will you uh, go between two decisions? All right. And one of the things I also said on Sunday was how that I strongly feel that this is a season of growth for us spiritually. Right? It's a season of growth for us spiritually. And so, um, when you read Hebrews chapter 5, um, the last verse, or let's see, um, verse 12. He says, for when, of, for, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone who uses milk is unskillful in the work, word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And it says in verse 14, but strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to descend between or both good and evil. And verse 6, 1 says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection from the dead and of eternal judgment and this we do, God help. And he, he paints a picture that as we proceed in our walk with God, that there are certain things that it is assumed that we know already. So Ichiro, you know, um, fine Christian brother of a number of years, yeah, uh, serving in church, you know, doing all the right things. 
the expectation is that Adrian has gotten to a place where he's not, he's not <laughs> to use Paul's example, he's no longer a child that we need to feed milk to. Right? That we can feed Adrian strong meat when it comes to our walk with God. And it says for Adrian to have crossed that line, Right, that there are certain things that Adriel should. It says there are certain elementary understandings that Adriel should have. It says about baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection from the dead, you know, all that stuff. Faith in God. It says, look, basic things which we should have settled. All right, and so, and Adriel, you know, just trying to do the Mac. Do you really? You can see me later. We can do a small assessment of how far. We can bring you a crate of milk next Sunday. Huh? But help me talk to the person next to you. Tell them, please grow up a little. Please grow up a little. Just grow up a little. Just grow up, grow up a little. <laughs> um, so on Sunday, we spoke about the anatomy of a Christian. We said a Christian, a, uh, all of us, we are spirits fundamentally. We have a soul and we live in a body. We spoke about how that God wants us to um, essentially express the life that we have received in Christ Jesus through our souls and even through our bodies, okay? And that we must get to the place where our faith is not just something that exists in the spirit or in the spiritual, but actually something that also exists in our souls and something that also exists in our bodies, okay? Um, Today, I want to talk about something called grace. All right? Um, and grace is fundamental to the Christian faith. I'd like to read out of Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll read from verse 4 to 9. In fact, it was just to get you involved in the service a bit more. If you grab another mic, you can be my reader for the day. It's okay. Okay. You have a, you have a good voice. Bring another mic for Idrew. <sighs> if you sit in front, got to talk. All right. <laughs> I just swearing, this is the last time in this church. I will never sit in front again. It doesn't matter. All right, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 9. All right. Um, good. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. Thank you. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So about 20, 30 years ago, uh, a cousin of ours called Augusta came to live with us. Her parents were pastors. And for some reason, she was involved in some Bible verse competition. And her Bible verse, memory verse, the one that she was meant to go do in church or whatever, was Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10. 
And so she was going around the house again and again and again. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And it comes down to where, verse 10, where it says, but you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. And so that, you know, it just, just kept on repeating around the house, around the house, around the house, around the house. And so it kind of stuck in my head. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. First thing I'll say tonight is that when God saves us in Christ Jesus, it is because of his grace. It is by grace. It is by God's benevolence. It is God's kindness. It is God reaching out to man favor that man has no man does not deserve and here when he speaks about works he's talking about a people who have grown up religious as jews right with prescriptions of how to reach out to god so they were the works that the law prescribed for you to be able to approach god and you know most of us haven't been born as jews in that dispensation but most of us can identify works that we think qualifies us to a person to be saved or not to be saved. So when you think about someone who God should save, if I say, ah, there's this boy called Emeka. Emeka likes to smoke. Like, ah, that's tricky. That's really tricky. God doesn't, God's not happy with that. He said, but it's not just cigarette. The maker smokes weed. Woo! Hmm. It's okay. Say, well, weed is natural, so maybe, yeah, this, maybe God might pardon. So, but the maker also likes girls. Oh, whoa. It's getting tricky. And then sometimes the maker likes boys. Ah! <laughs> Hellfire. It's going to hell. <laughs> it's going to hell. Mm. If you had stopped that weed, yes, but. So we have, and, and this is important because, and I'll get to that point, is that when Paul will teach about God's grace, it will get to a point where he has to say, but guys, you see, I'm not saying that grace means that you can do wrong and God will be fine with you. Because sometimes it is almost that's how it sounds. That there is nothing you can do that qualifies you for God's love. There is nothing. Because the truth is that the nature of sin is that it does not have, there are no really big sins. Now there are secret sins. Right? But there are no it's like real big ones. The scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some sins have velocity. Some sins show up quickly. Some sins take nine months to show up. Nine months, eight and a half. Some sins, five years. Some sins don't show up at all. If I like one scripture, it says that some men's sins are evident. 
It says others go before them to the seat of judgment. So before they get there, their sins have gone to report them. But church, scripture here says, God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, so you had nothing to do with it, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Now this understanding of God's love towards man and God saying, I'm going to save Samuel. I'm going to save Tolu. I'm going to save Bimbo. I'm going to save Martin. Before they could do anything about it. Now, getting that deep within our hearts is a lot of freedom from, from religion. That we are saved by grace. In fact, theologians will talk about the different ages that mankind existed. They will talk about the age of innocence. They will talk about the age of sin. They will talk about the age where the law came. They will talk about Jesus' age. They will talk about the age of grace. And so that's my first question to us tonight is, do you recognize that you have been saved by grace? Do you recognize that you have been saved by grace? John 1, 14 Speaking about Jesus, says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is very important to note. Full of grace and of truth. Full of grace and of truth. And I'll try and explain very quickly at some point why grace is typically accompanied with truth. In fact, when you go to verse 16, uh, I can read 16 to 17 in the Amplified. It says, for out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all, all of us, received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, Favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses. But grace, the unend, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now this is, is, it is very difficult for mankind to appreciate because we're used to transactions. We're used to, I mean, you can think of all your friends at the moment. And there's a grading, there's a ranking. BWS, for example, is my friend. I like her because she's an amazing um, deputy resident pastor. And she, once in a while, she checks up on me. And she's obedient. And, and her husband is a nice person, he's a bishop. Uh, Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> Samuel is my friend. It's, it's, it's my friend. Sometimes Samuel, Samuel has, ah no, God, God has, in God's grace is working in Samuel. Because Samuel used to be stubborn. But Samuel is loving and kind now. And God has 
broken the stubbornness. And so I like him now. I like him. Caleb. Ah. As you think of your friends, you know, Caleb is very nice to me. Very nice to me. You, you can think of why you love them. So we relate with people typically based on they deserve and what they do not deserve. When you think of the person you do not speak to at the moment, and typically most of you have one person that God is still trying to say, please, please, I am dragging with God. He blocked me on Valentine's Day. Never in my life. I will never, ever, ever. I cannot, Lord, no. We are very performance-focused. So we get to the place where we think God is happy with us because of how much we gave. Or you think, oh, God is happy with me. I have, I have not... <sighs> I haven't done this or I have done this. So works do not save us. And, and I, I'm going to have to <laughs> preach this as honestly as I can. Because... For someone, the struggle we have with receiving God's love is that we're still trying to qualify for it. We're still trying to do the things that we think we have to do for it. And that is why, for, and I speak to us, church, look, as, you, as, you, as our lives evolve and we become parents, right? Adriel, what, two years, three years? Yeah. One year. Two years, yes. <laughs> anyway, under five years, right? We're going to have little Ejiro's running around. One of the things that we must do is to model, and I say this carefully, God for them properly. Because a number of us grew up with father and mother figures who only liked us if we did certain things in a particular way. And so for a number of people, it has reconfigured how you then perceive God. So you're going to school. Class is 29 people. You were 28. And that's because the last guy didn't come to school for half the term. <laughs> and, and you know how. And it's interesting. I remember how my father, the day I was first in my class. He calls his siblings. Almost makes it sound like a mystic. I don't know what conversation, but the conversation shall moved into how I was first, my sister was first, my brother was second, the other one was third. My father made sure he told them mistakenly, oh, the results just came. <laughs> I don't even know how these boys did. Well, he was first. Eh, you know, he was first. Eh. The girl was first too. The boy managed second. That one is Ted. Yeah, we'll work on him, you know, that kind of thing. Performance-based love. If you love me, you will buy me Ferrari. I'm coming where you are. Do you how, how do you know he loves you, boy? How do you know she loves you? Ah, if you see the phone she gave me. And... And this is important for us, church. Because if you do not understand grace, 
it is difficult for you to understand the kingdom of God. So grace is God's undeserved favor which treats us as as if we have done everything that we needed to do for God to love us, if at all anything. With grace, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, you read verse 17. Romans chapter 5 and 17. Did you help me read? So our salvation is a gift from God. And Romans chapter 5 and 17. Go ahead. Don't worry, just go ahead and read. We would hear you. Father, we thank you. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death and rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will be a triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Okay, just re- let me read it again, please. Right, what translation are you using, Major? Okay, can you do a KJV or NKJV? It says, I know one, it says, the, if you've received the abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. All right? Okay. Go. Um, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Those who receive abundant provision of grace and... The gift of righteousness. Now that's another important one. Because with grace, Jesus, grace and truth, comes a gift. Which scripture says is the gift of righteousness. Help me ask the person next to you, are you righteous? Are you righteous? Ask them with an attitude. Are you righteous? I saw you at Quillox last Friday. Even me, I was just passing, but I saw you at Quillox. Uh, so are you, are you righteous? Huh? interesting right <laughs> I'm righteous by the grace of God by the grace of God <laughs> which is actually very true he says the righteousness is a gift the definition of a gift is something someone gives you that you did not work for you might have asked for you might have blackmailed them for it you know shown them pictures prayed but it is the gift of righteousness. And mankind cannot deal with that. So are you saying, P.I., that before BWS, no, but this is Christianity, no, that's not it. You, you, have, to, you have to change everything you're doing first. Stop smoking. Stop following women. Hush. I'm, I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking generally now. But you had to stop. Say so you have to stop. Stop sinning. Stop shouting on. Uh, stop lying. Stop backbiting. Stop all the sin. All. He says, and when you've done that, you come to God. Then they will check you. Say yes, okay. He's almost righteous. And then we we'll give him Jesus. And then we we'll watch him. Probation, six months. 
that mankind, and the problem with that is, A, we still come to God on a work performance-based measure. So the days something has gone wrong, you cannot pray. I'm coming. And the challenge is also when you look at people, you also internally judge whether they are worthy of God's grace or not. Because, you know, we all have our standards, to be fair. You say me, I don't really sin often. They're like, once a month. But Tunde is a sinner. <laughs> he's a sinner. Even me, I know he's a sinner. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For by grace are you saved, through faith. And that not of yourself... It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot boast of our salvation except in God. We must be careful that we do not repackage the gift of salvation with modern religious standards. And, and that is important, that if you ever come to just understand how much, perhaps, God does love you and me and the person next to you. And so he gives us Jesus. And I, I love the word scripture used, that we would receive. And we receive Jesus. The Bible says grace and truth. But someone says, but Pierre, then please just hold on a bit. Because, okay, let's say I assume I receive grace and the gift of righteousness. But Pierre, can you, okay, maybe you don't know what I am doing. Oh, that is the, that is the, that's the problem, Pierre. You don't understand what I'm doing. You don't have a word of knowledge, right? Because if you had a word of knowledge, you would know that I still fall. And one of the tensions of our faith is how we are perfect in Christ and walk in progress at the same time. But that God has paid in full. That God has forgiven in Christ Jesus all our sin. The Bible will say in Colossians that in him we have the forgiveness of sin. That the grace of God, the mercy and the grace of God is greater than judgment. What sin can the blood of Jesus not forgive? O'Shea. <laughs> like this guy's guy good. Abortions. So you know how sometimes, and you guys live in Ikoyi, some of you, but if you live where some of us live, sometimes when you're going home, you see a guy at the junction selling a drug, which he says can heal malaria, typhoid, low sperm count, infertility, belly trouble, fibroid. <laughs> you know that guy. <laughs> Please don't buy. <laughs> He's a thief and a fraud. It can heal anything. Back pain. Boldness, arthritis, old age, death, barrenness. Said so this drug can heal it. 
what worries me is that people buy it. <laughs> but what sin can the blood of Jesus not forgive? Because what happens is that those who... <laughs> Because sometimes we then wait to, we want to wait to make up for the sin that we, the offense, before we can walk with God. And so what the devil does is that he builds a camp, a temple of condemnation and guilt, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because it says you are guilty, God doesn't like you anyway. It says an you are worthless, and then there's a feeling of pain. And, and so you go back to the very scenes and the very things, uh, scripture would call them in Hebrews 11, fleeting pleasures of sin. And it gives you temporary relief. You feel a bit better, you feel guilty, and you go over and over again. But what sin can the blood of Jesus not forgive? Or maybe it's a sin you committed yesterday, but Jesus says, I've got that covered too. Let me tell the person next to you, tell them your sins are all forgiven. Your sins are all forgiven. I can hear the devil quarreling with somebody. Say, but you don't. No, say, no, not you. Not you. No, not you. You're a gambler. Not you. Is that even the new one they're doing now? You have already joined. I was going to go there, sir. <laughs> uh, he said, you've already, you're already taking people's money. You know those people, they're going to lose their money eventually. You've collected money. You want to pay tight. You. I see now. What sin? Fornication. Adultery. What sin? Lying. Stealing. Killing. What sin? What sin can the blood of Jesus, the grace of God, is bigger than judgment. Because guilt is a trap, but God settles a price for all our sin. And by the way, he also pays for the sins of our neighbors, of our parents. An understanding of God's grace helps us love others even in their imperfection. And sometimes even in their disobedience. And it's amazing that grace doesn't just say it's all forgiven. Because scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. It says for the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. The grace of God doesn't just say, look, guys, I've paid for your sin. No. The grace of God gives us strength and ability then to also live righteously. Oh, hang on. Really? Oh, yes, it does. Because don't forget, Scripture says, we have received, Romans 5, 17, the gift of righteousness. Someone to say, I have received the gift of righteousness. Uh, let's say it again. I have received the gift of righteousness. Uh, this, this, so I, and I have to teach this slowly tonight, and I'm, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to please get a hold of someone's heart tonight, please. Because if 
everything else we sing, everything else we talk about, every, everything else, prayer, study of the word, has to be built upon this. But when we receive the gift of righteousness, what we find is that, and, and I think I speak about that on Sunday, that there is a work that has to happen in your soul. That there's a change that happens. If a change does not happen in your soul, you receive grace. But if you do not receive truth, right, that change doesn't happen in your soul. So the struggle continues. You can see that you are still doing things that are not pleasing to God. Yet you know that a change has happened within your spirit, man. And so... There is a, a fight within your heart, within your life. You are living two lives, sometimes three lives. Sometimes you have one name in the club, one name in church. So they know you in church as Ejiro, but when you get out there, Jimmy boy. <laughs> you actually have a name, Gigi. <laughs> God is working on all of us, don't worry. But you see, for some people, it tears them apart. Because sometimes they have to remember what time, what day of the week it is. <laughs> so they know what kind of clothes to wear. They have to remember, where am I going to? Where am I going to? Which kind of music am I meant to be playing? Somebody from church stops you. Ah, Jero! Opens your door. Then you immediately write, ah, church. Change the CD two. Falabin Noel. <laughs> Drop them. <laughs> CD3. Because you've received grace. But for grace to find expression. The Bible says grace and truth. Somebody say God loves me. God loves me. Somebody say, say tell yourself. God. If I call your name and say Busola, God loves you. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Grace is not license for sin. Far from it. In fact, when Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or Romans chapter 6, verse 1, he says, what then shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Never. Never. He says, how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? We cannot underestimate the power, the consequence of sin. Sin separates man from God. So we don't joke about sin. We don't pretend that it doesn't exist. In fact, when James talks about sin, he says that when, you know, it says when desire has conceived, you read James chapter 1 and 15, he says it brings forth, it gives birth to sin. He says, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So this chap has received the grace of God. But he needs to let it find expression. He needs to come to a place. The Bible is speaking about a gentleman called Stephen. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible says Stephen was full of grace. Are you full of grace? Are you, have you let grace find the grace of God? Jesus, have you let him find expression in your life? 
It is what is the impact of grace. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, my sake, he became poor. That you through his poverty might become rich. And you can argue with me from today till tomorrow, what kind of riches was he talking about? I, look, riches is riches. <laughs> I don't, okay, whatever riches you like, put it there. But here, Paul says that there was a change that happened. That when we receive the grace of God, we become rich. Ah, this is not no material riches. That's fine. It's okay. But me, I like to believe it's spiritual, material, physical, all joined together. Grace strengthens. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 to 10, when we read from verse 8, Apostle Paul is having a conversation with God. He's saying, God, I am I'm troubled about this life I am living. I'm an apostle, but Lord, I have weaknesses. It says an apostle should not have weakness. I'm a leader. I shouldn't have to deal with this habit. I've been born again for a while. I shouldn't be falling here. I said, God, take it away from me. And God says to him in verse 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. It says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Grace strengthens. Grace strengthens. Grace strengthens. Hebrews 13 verse 9. It says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. One translation says, it is good that the heart be strengthened by grace. Because what sometimes happens is that we become saved but we refuse to receive grace. We refuse. So we try to come to church and then we try to serve, but we've not received grace. We, we've not. So we try and learn all the songs, which is the current gospel song that they're singing. So will I, so will I. The song is long, it's as complex. Keep on changing. You just mumble, you add your own, you create your own, but you can sing along but you refuse to receive grace. Grace strengthens. Grace provides. One place in 2 Corinthians 9, it says that God will cause all grace to abound towards you. That you having sufficiency in all things and at all times may abound unto every good work. Grace teaches in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. (laughs) As I studied this, I realized that that when we receive God, Jesus Christ, Scripture says, 
is grace and truth. That, in fact, John is the one who says it properly, or, you know, just clearly. He says that from that grace we have received, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. So, next week I'll talk about it in 1 Peter 4.10. He speaks about the manifold grace of God. The many-sided grace of God. Because you, you begin to understand why, you know, Paul, for example, in Ephesians chapter 3, will talk to the church and says, there's a dispensation of grace that has been given to me for you. Or he would say that, look, it got to a place in Galatians that he says they perceived the grace of God. That we can become full of grace. And next week we'll talk about that. But I just wanted to help someone lay that foundation. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. But if you have today, I've been celibate. I'm not saying me. You know I'm not celibate like that. I'm married. I'm not celibate. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, how did we even get there? But <laughs> all the, even PFA is married. It's not celibate. And that's his wife. Right. Jesus Christ. I'm Holy Spirit. Help me focus. I've been celibate for 10 years. Ah, God loves me. God loved you before you were celibate and gave you grace so that you will be celibate. But it is not your works that impress God. And because, guys, that, that, fol- that, that fulcrum is the one where religious thinking, doctrines, if you, if you step out of it to a place where people must do certain things, then I'm, and this is 101. God loves you and he gave you Jesus Christ not because of anything you could have done. Because how we then express the grace of God matters, church. Oh, it matters. Oh, it matters. Oh, it matters. That whole work within our soul, knowing that we are perfect in our spirit, but there's a work in our soul. Oh, it matters. But would you at least be able to be grateful first that at least there's a third of the battle that's been won? There's a third. There's one place where when God sees you, there's nothing missing. Nothing broken. It says this, how does the hymn go? It says, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. It says, I once was blind, but now I'm found. I was lost. I was blind, but now I see I was lost. How does it go? Lost first? It's you that was confusing me. <laughs> I once was blind, but now I see. I was was lost, but now I'm found. 
that we cannot walk for the grace of God. Because when we build a faith, a Christian faith, that is on anything else apart from the teaching of grace, we then become judgmental, we become hypocrites, and then we stand in the way of people coming into the kingdom of God. I have, I have a couple of kids. I loved those children from the day um, the day they were born, November 26, 2005, was the first one. I remember that day. Um, Arsenal was playing. It was 4-1. Van Persie scored from the right. I was there outside. They, before they, no, no, it's like, so at different times I went to watch the game. Um, what about them? Because they didn't need me inside. My mom was, oh, that's on the surf another day. But um, it was 4-1. We won. But I've moved. Oh. <laughs> I would, I would explain that on Sunday, even buying a jersey. <laughs> but when my son, Esosa, showed up for the first time, Esosa could not do anything. He couldn't wash my car. <laughs> he couldn't be first in his class yet. He couldn't, he couldn't swim well. He couldn't win medals. He couldn't, I mean, he's really bright. He's gone to a good school. So he couldn't do all that yet. But the love that I had for him was total and complete. It had nothing to do. And sometimes baby come, babies come out wrinkled a bit. Guys, just tell you now. A bit wrinkled. But I still, she's, just, she's telling you, that's true. <laughs> but, but I loved him totally and completely. But what then happens is that the children go older, they then give you reason to doubt that love. <laughs> but he could not, there was nothing he could do. And I am a man. This, and because what happens is, if we can't get this right, everything else is in doubt. Everything else. So even prayer. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Scripture says, for scarcely for a righteous man will someone die, but peradventure for a good man some will even die. It says, but God commanded his love towards us that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he gives us the gift of righteousness that the things which we were struggling to do before we came to God, we can now do by God's help. Don't forget, this is grace and truth. So I find that people get saved, we receive grace, refuse truth. And then we, we say things like, oh, God doesn't love me. But it's not true. God loves you. He does, he loves you a lot. Sometimes we, and I think that is why, like I said, this is whole, this whole season, God is calling people saying, guys, hey, we've been, (laughs) we've been, 
we wasted a bit of time. It's time to grow up. I remember, and you know, this whole church knows, well, the church knows, you know that uh, I struggled with a sexual habit years ago when I was much younger. And I remember one day, because I think I'd started going to fellowship, but then I'd had an incident, and I was so heartbroken. And I remember saying to God that day, I can still remember where I was. I said, look, God, I will serve you, but I, don't, I definitely am not going to heaven. I, I, I will serve you, but I'm not going to heaven. I, I don't think I'm going to make heaven. That our hearts will be strengthened by grace. That God's sufficient grace will find expression in our lives. But all grace will abound towards us. Once this is settled, as you read through scripture, it takes a totally different light. Um, on Sunday, we'll talk about something called the mind of Christ. And it's essentially about truth. And how I think there are three pillars of the mind of Christ which if you have them, you would find amazing expressions of grace in your life. I, I need to close. Yeah? Okay, we can. It's, uh, it's a good time. Let me tell you where. So, so Pastor said, PJ said something to us this year. He said, God was saying, do not limit. Do not limit me, right? And honestly, when I heard that, I was like, yes! This is the year. Ha! My G wagon with red leather seats. In fact, two, Lord. I'm not limiting you anymore. <laughs> two. My neighbor will know. He's been driving that his big Jeep. I serve a living God. In fact, Lord, no, not Banana Island again. I'm going to, going to London. The holiday home in Canada. So that I can see these people that have been moving. I th- and and God sees my heart. No, you know, Lord, I would not be drawn away if you bless me with this. Thing. Um, so maybe one G wagon first. Sure. But as the year has progressed, guys, I just I started realizing some things, and and this is one of them. So Paul says to the churches, and one he says, guys, by now, stuff should be happening. He says, but. You're still children. He says, my goodness, what's happening here? He says, by, he says we, you're meant to be teachers already, guys. Stuff should be happening. Also, I realize that our spiritual maturity can be a limiting factor for the things that God wants to do in our lives, in our country. In our families, in our generation, I'm praying that God will not skip a generation. Paul, who's written a lot of this scripture here, will say at a point, I do not count myself as already achieved. Paul, you are joking, right? You wrote all this revelation. He says, No, no, I'm not I'm not there yet. So 
So that so so this teaching of grace, this understanding of grace, is. <laughs> Galatians 2 is the last one, 21. says, I do not ignore or nullify. I'm reading the Amplified. I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of the grace of God, his amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. Suffering and death would have had no purpose whatsoever. So you can come live your life in a way, but essentially you are rejecting, nullifying the grace of God. But I sense, and that's our prayer today, but Lord, give me an understanding of how this works. Give me an understanding of grace. I hope I've kind of steered you in the right direction as you read scripture. But that you would not, that you would, you would, your eyes will be enlightened. Yeah, that's how Paul prays it. But that you will not be satisfied with an empty faith, an empty Christianity. I've seen habits broken. I have seen vision restored. I have seen bodies healed. I have seen marriages come together. I have seen God walk wonders. You, you are not mad enough yet. And I say that to someone. You think your life is all broken. God is saying, don't worry. He's the one who gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. You think your life has finished. It's a lie. The prodigal son had gone far. For someone, you said, you don't understand it. I'm hanging out with the pigs now. The father's still waiting for you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.